Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, March 4th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is at least appreciative that Scott Lawton gave us a good highlight. Yeah, he played. He was locked in. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we got a good one for you. We're going to talk about last night's uh, wild game versus the Flyers. And sorry, again, it's it's unavoidable to do those puns. Uh, we've got an amazing conversation Russ had with Kendall Coyne Schofield from the Women's uh, USA Olympic team. Uh, it's a super fun conversation. Glad to bring that to you. And then we'll wrap up with our gritty thing of the week. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. So Russ, we talked about a bunch of stuff over the last couple of days related to this lineup. The first of which was Isaac Radcliffe being officially sent down and... Uh, Max Wilman checking back in on the fourth line. We talked about Derek Broussard taking up space on the third line. We're going to get to that. And we also talked about JVR, which is an interesting plot twist, um, and whether or not you know, he should be in the positions he's in on the power play. So how did that play out for us and for the Flyers? Well... JVR did get that elusive power play goal net front, which is what he is paid to do. So you know, trying to find some bright spots in what was an extremely frustrating loss. I'll take that as well. Yeah. And, and like a game of clue, it's like finding, I don't know, general. I haven't played it in a long time, so I don't know the general's name anymore. Colonel with Mustard. Colonel Mustard with a candlestick. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what this was like. But uh, you mentioned Scott Lawton and, you know, besides the highlight goal, like he won a big faceoff uh, with the goalie pulled when Claude Giroux got booted out of the faceoff circle. Like the game could have even ended there with, you know, I think it was probably like 20, 30 seconds left. And he just was completely dialed in. The Flyers had moments that, you know, they would look good. And then they had moments like in the second period where literally Minnesota had the puck the entire period. Like they, the Flyers could barely get possession. And yet, you know, the Flyers still had a lead at that point. That was kind of weird. So you knew this was a weird game. I mean, I thought Cam Talbot gave up some weird goals. I thought the Carter Hart goal that he gave up going down on the shot right in front of him from the circle. He shouldn't have gone down. He probably should have stayed up on that. That was a tough one. But, you know, all in all, it's not Carter Hart's fault they lost this game. It's really the fact that this is something we've harped on all year. Zone entries. Yep. Gaining possession of the puck. 
Exactly. And in our conversation with Seth from Locked on Wild yesterday, man, the Wild really are terrible at clearing the puck. On they the are, PK. but the Flyers helped them. Like, <laughs> they it did. Was am- they did. Was, Seth was so right. Like, I saw them having trouble with clearing. I was telling the person next to me about that. And then, like, the puck would go over Keith Yandel's stick or over somebody. And, like, it was just, like, it was kismet for them because they couldn't actually do the job. No, and getting those two bad goals in the third period, less than 30 seconds apart, in addition to that, was just the death knell of this game. It just felt like they weren't going to come back from that, despite the fact that you could tell there was actually some urgency toward the end of the game. Um, and and I will also say, you know, one of the things we talked about from the last game, very specifically that Mike Yo pointed out is that they weren't getting chances net front is that they were taking too many shots from the perimeter. Lo and behold, this game, a lot of their shots and a lot of their chances were net front. Just nothing was going at the right moment. True. Uh, Ryan Hartman, former flyer. I do have to say that killed them. Uh, he was, he was a beast in the crease. Uh, Matt Boldy got another goal. We talked about these guys in the last couple of days and, you know, and it, and it came through for them. You know, end of the day, even the fourth line got a goal. So it should have been a game that they, you know, put in the, in the, in the books as a W, and they didn't. And I think Mike Yo was extra mad because he lost to his former organization. Didn't you get that feeling? Probably. I mean, he was a little bit more pointed post game and he's usually pretty direct, but this was like, I think an extra level. He was super direct to the point where it's like, listen, I keep telling these guys, I'll keep telling these guys, but they're going to have to do it. And you know what? I spoke to other members of the media and he's sinking his own ship because when you don't make players accountable, meaning, you know, sitting them in games, sitting them for a game or two, even as a veteran, it's hard to, get that extra out of them as far as accountability or extra effort play. And, you know, it's not happening. That's the reality. It probably didn't help having Justin Braun leave the game with the flu partway through either. Uh, I think that when Provorov is playing better, I, I think it helps having Braun there. And, you know, with the rotation that they were running with defensemen, I think there was a little bit of unevenness going on there. Yeah, that was the worst pass of Provorov's career. He just threw it right mm-hmm. down the middle and, you know, a Minnesota Wild player was right there. Although I could tell you a fun thing because you always want to look for a positive. I saw um, Kirill Kaprizov waiting outside the Flyers locker room. I'm assuming he was waiting for Provorov. So, you know, that's that's a positive because that's something where you figure Provorov probably means something to him because he's a young player and they're going to, you know, chat a little bit after a game. I like to see that. Yeah. It's good to see when guys are friends off the ice, but can be competitive on the ice. That's, that is always fun and they appreciate what the difference is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, I, I, again, this game was just this wild game of turnovers and weird goals for both. And not great goaltending, definitely on the wild side. Like we, again, I I tweeted at one point, put Kacken in it. <laughs> like, it's just, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just like, can't. But then I'll have to say, it, after a, the first couple, Cam Talbot did kind of get it in, in line a little bit. And, and I felt like Hart was in line most of the game. This was just a game that, you know, if you don't lock it down or you can't 
play clean hockey, which Flyers were having trouble doing. It was mm-hmm. bound to, you know, the the bounce was bound to go against them, and it you know, eventually did. It really did, and you're right. You know, Carter Hart did what he could, but I think that when you get turnovers right in front of you, it's hard to react quick enough to make that great save. So I I don't. I mean, I'm sure he wants one of them back at least because he's that kind of guy, but. I just don't think this is on him either, which again, I feel like, you know, we're broken records here with that. I know. We'll, we'll bet online have odds for Patrick Kane scoring a goal here at the Wells Fargo center on Saturday. Could be, could be. He tends to do that. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it for our conversation about last night's game coming up next again, a really fun conversation. So we're going to get our weekends off right with uh, a good interview you did, Russ, with Kendall Coyne Schofield. So you would think by now, since it's March, that I would have given up on New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. And have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they are a treat. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. These are definitely going to be your new favorites, and all Built Bars, including those puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com and scroll down to their macros chart. You're going to be blown away. Built Bars are high protein and low calorie, high fiber, but low carb. Most Bilt Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs, but also have 17 grams of protein. If you look at a candy bar, it's going to have 240 calories, a ton of sugar, dozens of net carbs. And they have so many delicious flavors in their regular Bilt Bars, like mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond. They've also got new flavors all the time. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And they pull it off every time. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with the analysis coming from our local experts. And that includes us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Russ, we are so excited because you talked to Kendall Coyne Schofield, and we have that interview for you coming up next. Russ, tell us about what we're going to hear. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna hear about uh, an NFT that um, she's involved with with some other Olympic athletes and also a cool sweepstakes where you could win a, an autographed pair of her skates. She's just a delight, and she really dished about Beijing. She left nothing to chance. I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. It's a lot of fun, and that's coming up for you right now. Well, thanks, Kendall Coyne, Schofield, for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, I really enjoyed watching you in the Olympics. I've covered you in a lot of different ways. You've played so many world championships and otherwise, and I've been able to cover some of that. But I know the Olympics didn't sort of turn out uh, exactly the way you wanted, but after now having time to process it, can you at least be happy about winning a silver or even though you wanted to win gold? 
I think our team has a lot to be proud of just over these last few years. Of course, um, you know, we didn't get the result we worked for over these last six months in Beijing. Um, you know, and I think it's a moment and an opportunity for us to learn to, you know, move forward. But, I, you know, I think when you when you think of the last four years, when you think of, you know, what it takes to to consistently play at this level in women's hockey, um, it, it's hard. It, it's not easy. And, no. you know, we have so much to be proud of. And then if you put, you know, the you add the additional layer of COVID on top of everything and the cancellations, postponements, you know, um, you know, injuries, uh, sickness, you know, adjusting, adapting and um, everything in between. Um, it's been a lot. It was it was a lot to get to Beijing. And of course, we wanted to go medal when we got to Beijing. We didn't get that. Uh, but I still think there's so much for us to be proud of and so much for us to take away. And I think one thing, too, is just the amount of support uh, that we've received uh, since coming home while we were in Beijing and uh, the, you know, the amount of people that were inspired by our journey. Um, of course, we couldn't have anyone there right alongside us. And it was just the 41 of us, our players, our staff, um, as our family uh, there in Beijing. But, um, you know, I, I think ultimately, regardless of the metal color, we've inspired a lot of people along the way. Um, and we have a lot to be proud of. You talk about injuries. I mean, Brianna Decker, like we all saw it and probably for the first time we actually heard it too. Like, and it just, I've had, you know, one or two bad injuries like that. I can't imagine just the gut she had just for hanging around after the kind of pain that you're in, but just that moment was just agonizing for us all to watch. Uh, it was one of the worst moments I've ever been a part of um, in my career. Um, and if you know, Brianna Decker, you know, she's the toughest player in that tournament on the ice. I don't care men's or women's tournament. She's the toughest player in that tournament. And so to hear um, her make the noise she did, we knew right away it was something uh, serious and severe. And, um, you know, to see see your leader, your teammate, your friend, um, and arguably one of the greatest players in the world go down um, 10 minutes into the tournament is, is tough. Um, but it was, you know, th this team has been through so much. Um, and you have to add that one to the list, if not at the top of the list. Um, but, you know, her decision to stay in China for another two weeks with with a broken leg and uh, just shows Crazy. the leader just to shows the leader she is um, the amount of pain she was in the you know amount of discomfort, um, you know, the fact that she put off getting getting her her leg repaired for two weeks to for the greater good of the team just shows how important she is to this team, to this country and, and the type of leader she is. Um, you know, she could have got back, got back on that plane, went home and got her leg fixed right away. But she waited two weeks, to, you know, hung by our side the entire way and, and, and was a leader through it all. Yeah. Uh, and before I ask you about the uh, the NFT set that's coming out, I did want to ask you about the PWHPA. I saw it on NHL Network the other night with the Dream Gap Tour, and, and that was good to see. I know there was an announcement of the league forming, but like you said, with COVID and things like that, has that been inevitably pushed back a bit? Uh, you know, most most recently, um, you know, we were excited to announce the um, post-Olympic tour game in Pittsburgh alongside the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, that'll be March 12th, uh, which is extremely exciting. I think if you look at, you know, dating back to 98, um, you know, a post-Olympic tour has always 
has always been in the eyes and the minds of the players, but it's never been able to come to fruition. And so uh, to finally be here to, to, to see it come to fruition, of course, it's, it's tougher if you're on the losing end, of course, yeah, that, that, yeah. you know, you don't need to say that, but uh, this is so much bigger than who won and who lost. This is the best. These are the best players in North America coming together to be able to showcase the game after the Olympics. So, you know, our goal was to make sure the hockey women's hockey doesn't remain silent after the Olympic games. Cause so often that is the case. People are like, Oh, when do I get to see you next? Right. And I never know how to answer that. And now I can answer it, you know, March 12th in Pittsburgh, um, you get to, you get to see the best U S Canadian Olympians on the same sheet once again, you know, a month after the Olympics. And, um, and then, I don't want to look too far ahead into that this coming week. We have a dream gap tour stop uh, in Washington DC along with the Washington Capitol. So, okay. um, you know, a lot of momentum, a lot of amazing things happen. My sister, she's uh, on team Adidas with the Minnesota region. So she was in Ottawa last week. She'll be in DC uh, this week. So um, yeah, it's, it, there's been a lot of momentum, a lot of great things for women's hockey. And um, you know, I think the people who have supported us through and through, especially these last few years have been tough, but um, you know, they see the upside, they see the return, they see the importance of the investment. Um, in the women's game and 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 we're seeing you know we're, we're seeing the impact yeah you have a video out there a training video that um i've shown to a lot of people because you literally jump from the floor onto like either a box or like a, a piece of you know um, a suitcase whatever like did you practice that and miss a lot or did you just know that you could do it are you talking about the box jump the box <laughs> jump yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy I do those a lot just, you know, in general, I will say the the height of that box jump was, was definitely higher. And it may have started with my husband saying, I bet you can't do that. And so um, that's usually how we get each other going. And, you know, we, you know, we work out with each other. So mm-hmm. we always challenge each other in, in those funny ways. And I said, okay, I bet you I can. So um, I gave it a shot and, and I did it. <laughs> that, yeah, that's incredible. I still show it to people. My wife was amazed. I, it's just, it's unbelievable to have that kind of lift but that's, you know, we know you're fast and it's the same muscles, but still you don't expect to see that. So mm-hmm. talking about the, um, the NFT and you're going to, I guess, have a pair of autograph skates involved with that. So give me an idea. There's, I know there's other Olympians in that and, and it's, um, I'm, I'm trying to get the name here. Sorry. Uh, oh, here elites. Yeah. What, yeah. what can you tell me about that? Yeah. So when the, first of all, I had to learn a lot about NFTs. I will, I will admit, I wasn't very familiar with the NFT space and um, it took, you know, it took some understanding and, and learning about what an NFT is and how an NFT works. Um, but then when, when this came to, when this idea came and it would be more of a, a hero collection, I thought that was mm-hmm. so cool because I remember looking at a lot of Olympians when I was a kid and they were my heroes. And so then to be able to build an NFT as an Olympian and you're, you're somewhat of looking like a hero, I thought that was, that was really, really cool. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of parallels because whether you're an Olympian or not, um, I think if you've reached the pinnacle of whatever you're trying to accomplish, you have the, you have the ability to inspire someone else to follow mm-hmm. in your footsteps and, and do more and be better. And so, um, you know, this is just another platform to, to reach people. Um, and it's, you know, obviously it's a unique platform in the NFT form. Um, so th- I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, NFTs didn't exist when, when we were kids or you were a kid and, and now it's something that has caught on. And like you said, you're just, you're just catching up with it. It's still a foreign thing to a lot of people to try and explain to them. I've tried to explain it to them and, some people get it and some don't. And so if you were able to get an NFT of somebody in the past, if you were a kid, who would you be trying to get an NFT of? Oh, 
Well, this isn't really the past, but I would say it's kind of the current, but I would okay. say Alison Felix. Okay. Um, uh, I, she inspires me in so many ways. Um, I think, you know, back in the day, Michael Jordan would be uh, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Billie Jean King. Yeah, I could have like, I could things. have a long list, I guess. <laughs> now the question would be, would you have all the money to buy all those NFTs? Because that's you know they're not cheap. Yeah, probably probably not. But that's why we're we're fighting for what we're fighting in women's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And if it's not just basketball, BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to all of your favorite sports coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. But I see there's, um, you know, Hillary Knight, your teammate is involved and and uh, John Schuster, who I've interviewed before. Great guy. I wish I could say I'm more into curling. I mean, I watched it. I I, I struggle with curling. I do. Oh, I'm super into it. I'm on the opposite end. I am super into it. We were so we were so excited after we were done competing. Uh, Schuster had one uh, game left. So we were all front and center cheering loudly, uh, which was super fun. But he's been a huge fan of our team. We're a huge fan of, of his team and, and U.S. curling. So uh, it's easy for it, it's easy for us to be, um, you know, super fans because we get to see it live and right. we've seen it at the Olympic Games. And I was actually able to be when we did the Sticks and Stones with NBC um, in Carolina, I was on Schuster's team. So I got to be able to learn curling by one of the greatest of all time, Olympic gold medalists, as we know. Um, so I think once you, once you get on the ice, once you learn it and see it in person, you have such a, an appreciation and you become a huge fan of it. So I'm, I'm a big fan of our curlers. Yeah. I have to be honest. Like I turned it on. It was by accident. I saw we're playing Canada. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch. And when it ended, I didn't really know why it ended. Like I just didn't. It, it took me by surprise. Like I was like, all right, I guess we lost. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's, you know, you got to learn the, the rules. I, like we're still learning, asking questions. That's what I love about the Olympic games though, is you get to go to these events and you're sitting next to someone who is either not competing or what is a part of the sport. And so you just sit there and ask a thousand questions. What does this right. mean? What is this? What is this? And I love sitting next to some of our figure skating teams during figure skating events. Cause I'm like, was that good? Was that bad? That looked great. You know? And so, um, yeah, we've been able to, we're lucky. We've been able to learn from, from them throughout these last few Olympics. Yeah. And, and I may have said it wrong before, so I guess it's a sweepstakes that they, uh, people can get in for your, like for your autograph skates and things like that. It's not attached to the, to the NFT. So that's, that's a cool thing. What, um, how do you decide which skates you're going to give up? Cause I mean, that's, I know players and skates, that's, that's not an easy decision. <laughs> um, I mean, the good thing is I have a lot of them. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I, I have a lot. So do you have more shoes or more skates? Uh, skates. Oh, you do. Okay. I would say skates. Yes. Definitely. That's interesting. So, all right. So was this like your favorite pair or close to your favorite pair? Was it something that did you use it during one of the seasons? Do you remember? Uh, they're, they're, I haven't um, 
they're I haven't picked them out exactly. I have a okay. lot to to pick out, I guess, from, but it would, you know, I don't I don't really I will say the only pair of skates like I really like know which ones they are are the ones that um I sent to the Hall of Fame for from the All-Star weekend in 2019. So like those ones I'm I'm 100 percent sure which ones those are, but um I tend to lose track of, you know, you wear these skates this year, these skates last like I lose track. We go through so many of them. They all look the same. I, yeah, not, I, I don't know that. which is which. <laughs> I could I could see that. Now, one of your teammates, Hillary Knight, took a lot of food pictures from <laughs> Beijing. And what was the Beijing food like? Did you ask a lot of questions about the food before you ate it? Um, that's one thing I didn't take any pictures of because I didn't enjoy it very much. So, um, good kudos to her for wanting to remember the food in Beijing, um, because it was not my favorite. Um, I, yeah, I didn't really, you didn't really ask many questions because it was the only option that you really had was to eat what was kind of right in front of you. So, um, you know, it definitely wasn't my favorite. I, I definitely struggled and had a lot of oatmeal, a lot of bars, a lot of fruit. um, some of the foods that are more familiar than others. Were you um, able to bring any food with you or you had to rely on everything that was in Olympic Village? So the USOPC did an incredible job bringing a lot of snacks like oatmeals and, and bars and um, some more of like American, you know, familiar snacks. That okay, so what was your number one snack? Was it like a Hershey bar? Like what was your, your one thing you were like, oh, at least I have this. Uh, I would say it was the oatmeal and the like, the Kodiak cake, um, uh, okay. like oatmeal where you can just put water mm -hmm. in and yeah, yeah. put it in the microwave and eat it. I would say I, I relied heavily on, on that and, and bananas. I mean, I got those in the dining hall, but I was just, I just needed some fruit, like just wanted some fruit and veggies and the banana was the safest one for me. <laughs> so when you would eat that, would it actually feel like home? Did it comfort you? Like, was it like that? I mean, maybe day one through seven, but day eight, I'm like, this is, I, I don't want to look at another piece of oatmeal in the next six months. No, I, I totally understand that. So what, what would be the message for um, wanting to get people to get involved, um, to buy the NFT and get involved in the sweepstakes? And what would you say to people to, to get them involved? Um, I, I think it's unique. It's It's kind of... I think the biggest thing is that it's, it's very unique. Um, you know, I've never done or had anything like this before. I've never offered anything like this before. So, um, it kind of is once in a lifetime. Um, and I think just the, the hero collection itself is just, is so special. So unique. Um, you know, Anthony, the artist put a lot of, a lot of thought and, and detail into, uh, the design of the NFT and obviously had my input and, and my mm -hmm. thoughts. And so it, it was definitely a very collaborative effort in, in building these NFTs together. So you, when you got, you got to see it, was that like a cool moment for you? Yeah. I was like, Whoa, I look like a superhero. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was really cool. Cause you know, you grow up and you see like, you know, the, the Marvel movies and, and yeah. you never imagine your face in one of those. And that's kind of what this NFT um, looks like. Well, that's great. Hey, listen, Kendall, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Russ. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again, Russ, for bringing us that interview with Kendall Coyne Schofield. It was so fun. I love the part where she talks about having more skates than shoes. Of course she does. Yeah, of course she does. It was just, yeah, she's a delight. 
All right, wrapping up with our gritty thing of the week. We only have one thing for you this time around. Uh, Gritty's a little quiet these days, but uh, this was definitely a good one. Uh, Gritty threw what looks like a frisbee out there on the ice during some uh, mites on ice action. And Mm -hmm. of course, some kid trips over it and isn't. He's the thing is, is that he's doing the right thing by keeping his head up, right? That's yes. what you're supposed to do, and like there isn't yes. supposed to be a frisbee on the ice. So I kind of call no. foul on Gritty on this one. No, Gritty needs to send some flowers and an apology. Absolutely. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back Monday, of course. We're going to talk about this weekend's matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks. And, of course, we'll have our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers. Or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S. O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the experts of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend.